Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Men, well, Glory Church, you guys can have a seat. It is really good to have you. If you are new, uh, if you are maybe visiting for the first time or the first time in a long time, uh, my name is Greg McKinney. My wife and I are the lead pastors here at Glory Church, and uh, we've been having a pretty cool year. Uh, we are. like We've been having a pretty cool year. We had uh, a, a powerful month. If you've been with us at all, you know or have heard that we've been fasting for 21 days. And uh, some, some in, a, in the room have decided the past week to just not eat at the end of the fast. Some of you have decided, I will not eat anything but dinner. Other, others of you said, I'm only going to eat on the weekend. Others of you, you, you chose the fast and you stuck with it. And I have heard phenomenal stories of breakthrough, what God has done as we've prayed for mental and emotional breakthroughs, healings. We've prayed for uh, relational healings, uh, and we are still doing so. And we've prayed also uh, this week for physical breakthroughs. That's what this morning is all about, physical breakthroughs. Um, And that's a really interesting thing. But before we get into it, I just want to invite you personally, tomorrow night, we are going to be having a worship night here, and it's going to be free, all right? It's going to be free for all. I mean, that means like don't, I don't, it's not going to be the structured sit up and down. There's not going to be a sermon. Uh, I want you, some of you, to get uncomfortable and actually scream out to the Lord. It is, a, it is going to be a night of thanksgiving, a night of offering, like offering to him all that he has done this past month. Does that sound good? And I'm really excited for it. Also, what we are going to be doing is baptisms. And uh, I, I was a youth pastor for uh, seven years before moving here. And one thing I realized is students, high school students, are way easier with communicating this power of baptism than adults are. And so in every church, children and youths are the ones quicker to jump for baptism. And I think it's because in our older age, we get stuck in thinking, no, like that's, that's just, I should have done that and I missed my opportunity. Can I just tell you what baptism is, is this beautiful outpouring of that which God has done inside. And so if you've never been baptized, it is this, like uh, my old pastor would say, it is putting on the jersey and showing like I am in the team. Now there's nothing magical about baptism, but there is something spirit-filled. There is something spirit-filled when you come up and you're like, I have joy like never before. Like I, I have boldness. Some of you lack, you have, you have not been given a spirit of fear, but you sit with a spirit of fear. And that can be conquered through an act of obedience like baptism. And so I encourage you, if you've never been baptized and you, maybe you met Jesus early on in your life and you've been baptized before that, I encourage you, sign up this morning, all right? Baptism before Jesus was nothing but getting wet, like really. Baptism after Jesus is this beautiful thing of saying, I don't care who knows it, this is real for me. And so, mark that. I'm not going to exhaustively do, uh, push that, but I would love for you to get baptized. So pray, consider that. Uh, this morning, though, physical breakthroughs. Just a reminder on this word breakthrough, it's not a fun word sometimes. And some of you have experienced that the word breakthrough is literally God pushing through that which is standing against him. Like, we want, like, a, a breakthrough in our life, but we don't realize that, like, that's literally asking God to take through and destroy, demolish the things that are standing against his path. Not necessarily our paths. Sometimes he's like, that's not standing in my way. But it's in my way, God. Well, your heart is the thing in my way. And so breakthrough is coming, but not technically in the way that we sometimes think. Physical breakthroughs, though, are sometimes when we say, God, I need a breakthrough. And he's like, okay, your physical state, your addiction is standing in the way of my will. I want to break through it. Will you let me? The, this, this physical sickness is standing in the way of my will. Are you going to let me break through it? Because I want to. The, the, your, your financial state right now is standing in the way of my will. Your lack of, your, your, uh, your lack of job is standing in the way of my will. And I have a job for you. So, so can, are you going to take it? And so this morning, we're on the tangible. The things that God brings into reality. 
and it shifts and changes. And I'm really excited because there is, a, there is a, a lack of belief that we often operate with that Jesus doesn't really change reality anymore. Um, and we, we, don't, we know that that's, that's not true, but we still behave like it's not true. Um, in fact, like, uh, if I just, I just want to just set the scene for you. Let's just act. Can you get uncomfortable with me today? What if Jesus in the flesh was here personally with us today? Like, can I just, what would you assume in the room? What would you think? How would that shape how you operate with your body. Some of you would be jumping and you've never jumped before. Others of you would be fighting. You, you, would, you would listen and some of you have never listened before. Others of you were like, holy crap, this might be real. What if Jesus was physically with us? What, what are the things that you would expect? I would expect the one who's in the room who has been, uh, has, a, has a hurt arm, who's struggling with a knee, who, who, who is handicapped in any way, Jesus could and would heal you, right? I would expect while he stands, there's going to be people in the room who struggle with spirits and those are going to start manifesting and Jesus is going to say, out, be gone with you, freedom instead of this chaos, like peace instead of, instead of anxiety. And he would do that, right? Because Jesus would be personally, physically here with us. You better believe he would speak and there would be uh, teaching. He would speak straight to your heart. You would be, you would feel heard you would feel seen. Now the awkward thing is the belief that he isn't here. Because where two or more are gathered, I am there in the midst. Not only that, not only that, but he says, my disciples, those who believe, like they are going to do greater things than me. And so if you think Jesus could stand in here and heal, why are you discounting the believer sitting right next to you? If you think Jesus could come in here and see straight into your, into your soul and speak peace, why do you discount the one sitting right next to you? Because where two or more are gathered, there is Christ. And so we could do a couple of things this morning. I could teach and you could go on your merry way, or I could teach, you could experience Jesus here and we could have some physical breakthroughs. Which one do you want? Because I've been praying for the latter. Like, I want healing to come forth in this, in this room this morning. I, I want you to see that this is not just something that we get all crazy about for no reason. No, we get crazy about it because it's real. It's true. He is here. Some of you have been sitting in that for far too long, and I just, I'm excited. What if we actually believed that when he says, uh, this will be the sign of those who believe. You will see signs and miracles. I like, I, I got a little convicted this week. So you know how every one of the gospels, this is just a little aside, every one of the gospels give the uh, great commandment afterwards or the, the ministry, you know, that uh, go into all nations, baptize them. Every one of the gospels ends that way. Mark, I don't know why. I, don't, I guess I haven't spent a lot of time in the end of Mark, but Mark, it says, in this you will know. You will know that my believers, because signs will accompany them, meaning they will go into a place and dangerous things like snake will be, snakes will be a part of it and they won't get bitten. And if they do get bitten, they're not going to die. They, they, they might drink something poisonous because people are hateful and, and angry toward them, but they're not going to die. You also know that they're my believers because they're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to be healed. You're going to have demonic are going to be cast out. That's what will accompany those who believe. So, in the line this morning, I can draw a line. There will be some who don't believe, and there will be some who do believe. This morning, I am, I am believing that signs will accompany those who believe. Are you with me? I am believing that signs will accompany those who believe. And there is a burden in the room that will be lifted 
in the name of Jesus. There are marriages in the room that will be healed in the name of Jesus. There is anxiety and addictions that will be destroyed in the name of Jesus. I believe there are some financial debt that God is ready to demolish in the name of Jesus. Not because it's standing in your path, but his path. All right, it's not so that you could do what you want with your money, but you can finally start realizing he is worthy of it all. Okay, so I'm there. that's all I got for you. All right, I, I'm really excited to dive into this this morning because physical breakthroughs are going to happen if you believe, right? Okay, cool. John 5. John chapter 5 this morning, uh, it says this. After this, what was this? The, you know, that. <laughs> no one laughed. It's okay. Um, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. It's okay. We'll work on you guys. Verse 2 Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool. In Aramaic, it's called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. And in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed. We could say the stuck, the frustrated, the addicted, the gossips in the room. There lay there, the cynical, the aching, the bitter. Those who who are are walking in their faith with a limp are there. Um, The wanting, the hurting, the, the, the hiddenly anxious are there. And then it's really interesting. Uh, you will see in most of our translations, it goes straight from verse three to verse five. Do you notice that in yours? Maybe you have a little like D or A and it, you could travel down to the bottom of your page or you can click on it and it says, what's, what's going on? Why, why that? Well, you see many manuscripts are missing verse four because the older ones don't have it and so they don't want to show it in this. But verse four, and also I'll explain why in a second. Verse four says this, that the lame, the blind, the paralyzed, they were waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel of the Lord would come down at a certain seasons into the pool and then stir the water. And whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. And now this is out of older manuscripts because many theologians think that whoever decided to put this in, uh, it was not John originally, they think, but someone else added in, and that this uh, angel of the Lord probably wasn't an angel of Yahweh, okay? And so we were removing that out because that doesn't fit with the, 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 the sign of, of what's happening. Some of you are like, what? Well, this, it's not the Lord. It might be a Lord that is stirring the waters, but it's not the Lord because think about this process. An angel... I would even challenge to say of a false God would come and stir the waters and stir up division. And instantly man was against man as they chased to get healed. Is that in line with our God at all? Do you see that in anywhere in scripture? No, I see hold up the gold and the bronze snake and all who look at it will be healed. But this is some bubbly water and the first one in. And so these are lame and the sick and they're fighting. They are manhandling each other for that which they want healing. And and it's interesting because now out of this place of uh, brokenness comes competition, comes pain, comes uh, this, this insecurity, this jealousy. This place was literally the place, the pool of Bethesda was the place for the hopeless to fight for hope. And it's so sad. Like, it is so sad. It had masses waiting for this God to come down, stir the waters. If only he would love them. And if it was the perfect time where they saw it and they were the ones to get in first. It's really sad. But then verse 5 happens. It says, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And it says, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time. He came to speak to him. Now pause. He knew. Now, I don't want to visualize this because this is insane. There's a whole lot of lame, sick, hurting people. And Jesus tiptoes around all of them to get to this one man. Like, it is 
beautiful. And I don't think you really realize why this is so beautiful. He goes from all of the hurting and distinguishes one man who has, and he knew, uh, from, from his, his foreknowledge, he knew this man not only has been sick for 38 years, but he has uh, been here for a long time. He has been here in this place for a long time. He's been unable to move. Why him? Why him? His life was desperate. His life was hopeless. He had spent years trying and trying. Odds are that this man had given up. In fact, we know from the dialogue that he's about to have with Jesus that he had just given up all hope. His body was there because he didn't know what else to do with it. So he's just laying. He's no longer even looking at the waters anymore. He's just laying. He, he decided for himself, this is not just my, like, my current situation. This is my tomorrow. And this isn't just my tomorrow. I will die here. This is my lot. I'm at the pool, and I will die here. I will die in this state. And Jesus, in his uh, beauty, saw him. In fact, if you want to take this note, like, this is really cool. He was the one who probably had the worst situation. And Jesus went straight to him. He was the one who had the worst situation, and Jesus went straight up to him. Now, can you put that like up for them to see? Uh, Seisha, he's the one who had the worst situation. And why I want this, like this for you guys, is this should be good news to us. Um, the most desperate situation. The most desperate situation. Um. There's some of you who say, like, it just will never change. I've been like that for far too long. In fact, the number 38, like, let's just use it. Some of you are like, I've been alive for 38 years, and I've struggled with anxiety for that long. I have had sleepless nights, this addiction. I mean, I just said, I can't keep, keep going. Like, I, I am the desperate situation. This, this right here, he was the one who had the worst situation, and Jesus went straight up to him. Do you want to know why that is good news? Because I'm desperate, God. Like, I need you. I am hurting. I am, I am in need. It's interesting, though. We sit often, like, the places where we think there's just no way. There's no hope. It'll always be this way. I can't imagine it ever changing. I'm done trying. I'm done striving. Nothing has worked. I'm at my wit's end. Those are the places. That's the point which grabs the attention of the Savior. When I'm at my wit's end. When I'm at my wit's end. It is the broken and contrite places that call for his attention. And it's beautiful, though, because that's when he wants. Now, hopeless... Um, hopelessness. Anyone else uh, not like to be desperate in the room? Like, can we just, I don't want to be desperate. I don't want to be desperate. And I think it's this sentence right here that calls the attention of Jesus is the desperation. It's really interesting that our flesh doesn't want us to be desperate. And then we wonder why God's not moving. Because it's the desperation that commands his attention. It's the broken and, and humble and contrite heart that, that, that he gives his ear to. And it's often like, uh, I just think of why not the other people? Because what happens when the water bubbles? They get this, this tiny sense of hope, this false sense of hope, and it keeps them going. Some of you, like, you, you have been on, I don't, I'm about to hit you, uh, it's, the pool became a drug. And, and you're like, I am just so desperately needy of friends, but yet every time that, that dating app, like, ding, that you've been connected with someone, it gives you this false sense of hope again, right? And it's back at that pool. Or every time uh, you, you just go back to that drug, it gives you that false sense of hope again. Or every single time you, you go to work and you're like, okay, today wasn't that bad, it gives you this false sense of hope again. Because we look at all these pools in our life that are just a lure to not sit in the desperation for Jesus. Quite literally, right? I don't want to be desperate. <laughs> and so we go to alcohol, substances, phones, that new project. We go from point A to point B really quickly because uh, I don't want to feel it. I think the most desperate that I've been in a long time was this past season as we were praying for this building and the funds. And I don't think you realize, um, but I was like, there's no way our church can grow. There's no way, like, I've bit off too much. This is going to fail. Uh, this, this building is not going to work. Like, it, it, so many times when, before, you didn't even know. This was before we even started the campaign, and we couldn't even do the campaign because our elders were like, you can't do it. You're too small as a church. 
you need more people. And I'm like, well, we can't have more people because we don't have the space for more people, but you need more people. We're not going to sign off on this. And it was just constantly going back and forth. Like, I'm trying, God, I'm trying. I'm desperate for you to move. You see, it's the desperation that leans the ear of the Savior. So sometimes we just got to stop looking at the pool and just get desperate. And so I will tell you that drug remains like those of Bethesda. They wanted to numb their desperation with this fake hope. And then they wondered bitterly why nothing ever changes. They wonder bitterly why nothing ever changes. Can I, you just write this down. I'm using this word for a reason. The grace of God is for the broken, the needy, and the desperate. And I, I say this word grace for a reason because that is literally what grace is. It is receiving that which we desperately need, but we do not deserve at all. Like, right, it is receiving that which we desperately need. And many of us, we will not be desperate enough to receive the grace of Jesus. And so we remain on our mat, hoping for this pool, hoping for that, that, that thing to give us what we want. And it never happens. Desperate hearts command the tension of the Savior. And I'm just, I'm excited. What, uh, one thing that I found out that was really cool in a commentary, this is just like a little side, okay? Uh, just a little nerdy Greg here. Um, one commentary wrote about how the number five, John used it. This is chapter five. Um, there was five roofs he made sure. This is verse five about the man who was there for 38. Do you want to know what the number five in Hebrew means? The number five in Hebrew is the number for grace. It's the number for going forward. It's the number for movement. And, and quite literally, can I, this whole story is uncovering how Jesus is not a, another God, how Jesus is not the legalism of, of uh, Judaism, how Jesus is different, the whole thing. All right, and we're going to open your eyes to see that, but grace is this moving forward that very soon this man who was stuck um, hoping for this push to get into the water will be met by a Jesus who comes straight to him grace. This man who has been stuck invalid for far too long, uh, hoping that someone carries him to the water, will be given new life and movement. Like, this is huge. That this is an image of grace. This, like, I cannot, unless I get there, Jesus will come near and give him the movement to give beyond it. Like, it's just beautiful. This is, is a story of grace. So Jesus comes in close, and he says this right up to him. Are you ready? Jesus says, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? This word actually means like, do you want to be well? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be changed? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one, no one to put me in the, into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, while I'm trying to on my own, another person steps down before me. It's interesting, though, he did not even answer the questions. And maybe you've heard this story, maybe you've read this story, but what I love is uh, Jesus isn't going to uh, challenge what this man says. He's not even going to, like, out him for it, tell him he's a failure, that he's wrong in answering this way. But Jesus asks the simple question, do you want to be healed? And what stirs up, what comes to the surface when that question is asked of you shows some underlying fears, doubts, hatred, resentment, confusion, pain, what comes up. He said, do you want to be healed? I can't, was his gut reaction. Do you want to be healed? No one is here for me. Do you want to be healed? I, I can't even, people keep getting it instead. Do you want to be healed? Well, every time that God seems to do something, it's not for me. Do you want to be healed? Well, everyone else is getting blessed, but he's not blessing me. Do you want to be healed? But I try and I've tried to get there. No one's carrying me. Do you want to be healed? And see, when that question comes up, a lot of other things come. It's interesting, though, he couldn't answer the simple question because all of his doubts and pain clouded his wants. It is. They clouded his wants. Jesus knew this is not even about whether the man wants to be healed anymore. This is about me addressing the things that are literally clouding his wants, 
his ability to even see me right now. You see, when I ask you, do you want to be healed? I could say, do you want to be well? Do you want that addiction gone? Do you want that sin struggle out? Do you want your marriage to be healed? Do you want your emotional pain to go away? Do you want that thing that you've been praying desperately for? Do you want that job? Do you want to be changed? It's interesting. I have asked that question many times in counseling sessions, and you should hear the tone that people have in their words back to me. They're like, of course I do. Whoa. Of course I do. I wouldn't be here if I didn't. Of course I want to be changed. Of course I want to be healed. And already there's this sting of resentment, right? Often maybe the sting of resentment because you have not been healed yet, right? And there's a sting of resentment that I've tried. Oh, of course. Of course I do. But it's interesting. There's a lot of other things that come up. Some of you, like, maybe it's a, I won't be changed. I want to be changed, but I won't be changed. It's just not going to happen. You don't know how dark my mind is, Pastor Greg. Like, I want to be changed, but it's just not. You don't know how much I actually want that. Even though I want to be changed, I still want that. Some of you, like, it's interesting. I could speak. (laughs) I say this in the nicest way possible. Um, I could speak on stage a freaking awesome message. And the Lord could work in everyone's lives. But you literally won't change. You won't. Actually, some of you in the room, I'm not even going to look. Some of you, I'm like, why do you keep coming? Why are you coming? Like, what, what do you have here? But an angel you think is going to stir the water so that you might get healed? And you're like, well, it wasn't me. I mean, God keeps doing cool things, but you walk away unchanged. And I'm like, do you want to be changed? I like, literally, I'm like, well, Kate, I don't know why they keep coming. I can see on their face, they, they don't believe anything I'm saying. They don't want anything I'm saying. Like, why do they keep coming, Miss Betty? Like, I, that's why they keep, like, why do you want to be healed? Maybe it's my life is fine right now, but I want to soak it up because it makes me feel a little bit better coming here and then going, okay, well, then you're treating church like a drug, just like that pool was. Then it might give you that little, that peace for a day that fades, no my, my people have done, committed two evils. They have forgotten me, right? The fountain of living water. And they have built these cisterns that they think is going to hold things for themselves. Maybe you get some water on a Sunday, but it's going to drain through. And so you just keep coming back. I'm just, I just so, I just need to go back to church again. I need to hear that good word again. He's going to speak right to me. Okay. But are you doing anything with that word? Are you being shaped by it? Do you want to be changed? Not do you want them to change. Do you want to be changed? Not do you want your situation to be changed. Do you really want to be healed? But these questions come up. And I think Jesus did this because he wants those feelings to surface. He really does. He wants those feelings. Some of you, you're like, but do I even think I can be changed? Like, do I act, I, I have only seen messed up marriages. Do I actually think that I can have a good one? I have only ever been afraid. Do I think that I can live out of fear, like without it? Can my reality actually be different? Some of you are like, would he even want to heal me? I keep asking him to heal me and he won't. So does he just not want to heal me? Others of you are like, well, what happens if I'm never changed? And that lowering, that lull, that anxious, pressing, heavy feeling of what happens if it never happens is literally causing you from not even being able to answer the simple question. Yes. But you can't say yes because you're like, what if it never happens? I don't want to be wrong. And if I say yes and then never, I could just get let up again. I don't want to put myself out there if I'm just going to get hurt again. Others of you are like, what does actually healed mean? See, a lot of people remain in the state of being a victim because they can't even imagine not being a victim anymore. What would it be like to actually only hear my thoughts? That sounds too scary. I can't. Right? Like, what would it be like to actually be healed? 
What would that demand? What changes would you have to make because you were changed? Oh, and all of that, like you're like, oh, I don't want. Do you want to be healed? Is a heavy and weighty question. And Jesus knew what he was doing when he asked the man. Do you want to be healed? Sadly, though, the doubts, the facts, the situations, and, and sometimes it is facts. Like, it is factual. I, my, my wife, like, we, one of our, our pregnancies were very bad, and it was factual that either she could die or our baby, Autumn, could die. That was a fact. And that's a lot of, a lot of heaviness and worry in us, but I just, I was like, no, we're going to be healed. Like, you... you we're going to pray healing. And guess what? We got two healthy little girls. One is, one is my wife. She's my baby little girl. And the other is my actual baby little girl, Autumn. All right? Because we have, like, we cannot just sit in this, like, this heaviness. The facts may be there. But the question is, do you want to be healed? The fears may be there, but the question is, do you want to be healed? The anxieties may still be there, but the question is, do you want to actually be healed? The doubts may be there, but the questions, but I need you to understand this. Excuses end up muddying the water of our wants. Time and time again, excuses, excuses. Well, I've tried. Pastor Greg, I don't really want to hear it right now because I've tried. You don't know how many times I've prayed. I've tried. I've tried to give God some time. Like I've tried to, I've tried. I've tried. It may not be about your trying. It may be about your motivation in trying, right? It may not be about how all the times that you've tried. It may be about what you think God is going to do or who you think he is in it. He's not this angel stirring the water so that you can jealously fight for that thing. Some of us, you literally think like, I mean, I'm, I'm here. That, that pool, that water, I started realizing uh, one of the things that we've been praying for physically is just like, Home, uh, a home one day for our family. Uh, our family, we have a, we would love land. You know, those of you who know us, uh, we just want our, we've been doing homeschooling. We want a place for our kids to be able to actually run and, 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 and play. And so that's just been a desire of, of our heart. And we've really checked our heart. But I did notice something. I did notice I created for myself a little pool. Um, that, that email where, you know, Zillow and Redfin, and they just like constantly bombard your emails, Right. That, that has become a pool. And I'm like, wow. I literally started thinking, God is going to send me this. And if I don't see it, then I will lose my chance and someone else will get it. That is literally the pool. Me thinking that the Lord works that way where he's going to stir the waters. And if I miss it, I miss it in someone else's blessing instead of mine. And I, I should have got it. No, that's not even how the world, the, the Lord works. But our excuses end up muddying the waters of our wants. Jesus says, do you want to be healed? But why does that word want matter so much? Because Jesus is the same God who said this in the Psalms. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. Why does your wants matter? Because God gives us our desires of our heart. It's really, he cares for your heart's desires, but your heart's desires have been muddied by fears. Your heart's desires have been muddied by sin. Your heart's desires have been muddied by doubts. He cares about your wants, but he also wants to ask the question, do you want to be healed? So that you can see the ugliness that comes up. He does. Because Jesus says, do you want to be healed? Because he cares for this man's desires, but he actually wants him to pause. Because if this man is going to deal with this, he's going to need to own that he doesn't really delight in the Lord. In fact, he's a little angry at what he thinks the Lord is and isn't doing for him. Lord, you keep stirring the waters and I keep missing it. You keep moving, but it's someone else's blessing. You see, he needed to realize the desires of my heart are hurt because I'm not delightful to the Lord. I'm resentful. I am angry. I'm hurt. I'm bitter. I'm ascribing to the Lord some fallacies due to his name, right? Not ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. No, I'm ascribing to the Lord some falsehoods. And that's just destructive and it's hurting me. He's going to have to see his way is not committed to the Lord. 
His desire has shifted, and I wrote this down, like his desire has shifted from all the things that he believed would have to happen in order for healing to come. Some of you have made a list. You're like, in order for me to be healed, this, this, that, and that, and that, and they, they, that, they, this, and that has to happen. And then I will be okay. We we have literally added so many things to what it means to be healed. His desires were not found in the delight of the Lord. His desires were found in the hopeless, but false hope of that pool. He, he was not committed. His, his, his life was not fueled by the commitment to the Lord. It was fueled by the strife. I'm going to get in. I'm going to get in the water. The invalid needed the grace of Jesus. But can I tell you something other really cool about this story that maybe you've never realized? Um, by reading it really quickly, it only takes nine verses, less, like less sentences than that. It's really quick. But one thing that we know about this part in Jesus's ministry, he is only going to the Jews right now. All right. It is John five. His ministry has not gone out to the Gentiles yet. He has not gone to the, uh, uh, to the area of the, of the Gentiles. He's specifically healing and ministering to Jews right now. Now this is big. Uh, there are times when Gentiles would come to him and he would heal them, but his healing right now is just for a Jew. And you're like, well, why does that matter? That might be why he tiptoes around people. Because this was not a Jewish pool. This was a, uh, a pagan pool and used by pagan things. I mean, this was not the Lord. This was not his father stirring the waters. This was not his angel army stirring the waters. This was not of him. So he comes into this place to get the one back to him. Right? He's going... This is a man who has been hurt. So you better also believe that when Jesus says to this Jewish man who's believing in these false gods, when he says, do you want to be healed? That question would have to make him rethink, who's the God that can actually heal me? This question was a coming back moment. Do you want to be healed? You need to go back to your theology of who is the God? Is it Yahweh or is it this water? Who is the character of your, of your, of your God? It, would it come from this falsehood? Would it come from that obsession that you've had? Like, would healing come from what you've been fighting for? Or would it come from you trusting Yahweh again? To him, do you want to be healed would actually mean that he needed to deal with some inner sin patterns. Um, he would need to deal with some sin patterns. So Jesus continues, and I love it. Like I already mentioned, he doesn't condemn the man. He doesn't say, you should know better. And Jesus isn't condemning you for being angry right now. Like he's not condemning you for excusing why things aren't changed, why you're not changed, but he does keep going in the conversation. And Jesus says this, get up, take up your bed and walk. That's as quick as the conversation. Do you want to be healed? He gives excuses. Jesus looks past the excuses back at the the man's heart again and says, get up. Take up your mat, your bed, and walk. It's really interesting, though, because then verse 9 says, and at once the man was healed. He took up his bed, and he walked. Now, I will let you know right now that your breakthrough begins at the point where your excuses end. They do. Your breakthrough will begin at the very point that your excuses end. I don't care. Like, I know. I care that you have fear, but I don't care that you keep using that as the excuse to why you're not being healed. Your excuses can keep going, but the breakthrough begins when your excuses end, when they're put to bed. Because the question, he's not even addressing, well, I'm here now. Do you want me to take you to the water? He's not even addressing like, uh, we'll make sure we'll help you a five-step plan to get your arms stronger so that you can move to the water yourself. Like that's not, no, it's get up. Take up your mat. Like, it's this beautiful piece. The first thing he says is, get up. And I love, like, uh, at this verse, um, John says these three parts. So John is, I love the way that John writes, because he's very intentional about the way that he writes things. Um, Very intentional about the methodology, uh, the repetition of words. So the command from Jesus had three parts. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Then notice verse 9. It says the man was healed, he took up his mat, and he walked. What was left out in the command that John didn't reiterate? Get up. 
which means literally that when the man got up, he was healed. Are you hearing me? Like it literally means, so, so John's intentionally saying, no, he didn't get healed. He twiddled his, his foot and was like, oh, wow. And then he stood up. No, the, the passage literally says the commands, get up, take up your mat and walk. Then he was healed, took up his mat and walked. Literally his obedience. And if you want to write this, Jesus unites day and day again, your breakthrough, he will unite your obedience to his power and grace. Time and time again, do you want to know why you don't have a breakthrough? Because he said, get up and you're waiting for it to be healed before you get up. No, it's in the moment of getting up that you will be healed. Jesus says to, uh, God says to Moses, tell my people, like, let them go, get freedom. The power, the grace is that they're free. All right? He parts the waters, but they're not free yet, right? They're not free yet. They have an army coming after them. They're about to be taken back into captivity because Pharaoh and his army is, is screaming. God has parted the waters. He's done a miracle, but that's not the miracle. The miracle is the deliverance of his people, which can only happen when they walk, when they are obedient when they get up. That's literally what Jehoshaphat was saying, like, let's go. You stand still and you praise and the Lord works. Why? Because in tandem, he will unite our obedience with his power. Why are you missing his power? Because you're not being obedient. Like time and he has, you're still sitting in the excuse, but the excuse ends and breakthrough begins. It's beautiful. I mean, I could say more stories. Jericho, the, the, the grace was, I've given you a land, Canaan. But the grace, in order for them to accept that, what did they have to do? Oh, you're going to have to get through Jericho. But what I need you to do is like walk seven times around uh, because seven days. So walk one time every seven days, all of those. And then on the last day, walk seven times. And then the last time, scream a whole lot. Like that, that's the game plan. That's the get up. And it wasn't until they got up that the breakthrough happened. And this is something we miss. We're waiting for God to move, and he says, get up. Get up. It's beautiful, though. The next thing, take up your bed. Pick up the very thing that is claiming your spot here. Pick up your dwelling place here, meaning like command your body to believe that you're not coming back here because you're, you're, you are not coming back here. So you have, like, get up. And throw away anything that claims that this is your spot, because it's not. And so for some of you practically, like if your marriage is going to be healed, get up. Throw away the things in your life on your schedule that is claiming that it isn't healed, that's claiming your spot in that anger, your spot in that bitterness. Jesus would say forgive is a great way to pick up your mat and walk. You need that breakthrough, that healing Then scripture says, come to the elders, let them lay hands on you, but get up and come to the elders so they can lay hands on you, right? Like move into obedience and then act, believe, sin no more. And Jesus would say, leave that place of pain behind, leave it behind. It's beautiful though, because we, we often like mistake what this is. That's a place of idolatry. If you want to take this note down, it is the mat that kept him stuck waiting for breakthrough to come outside of God's nature. Like literally it it is, it is that email throughout this whole fasting. I've had to like really watch myself. I like took that email away. Some of you need to take that, that dating app away. It is that bank account that keeps you stuck. You're just like, you're waiting for God to deposit something into your bank account. And he's like, get up. Like, what are you doing? Get up. I've strengthened your legs to walk. Get up. We keep checking that email. Some of you keep checking that dating app. Others of you keep checking all these things. I wrote this down, and this is really weird. Some of you keep checking that medicine, waiting for, like, the refill to happen. And that's, like, your hope is in this. And I really wrote this down. Like, I truly believe some of your mats claiming a place might be some of your medication that has been a little bit more addicting than you think. And it has really hurt your ability to believe that the Father is the healer. 
And now, now this might not be for all, but like for some reason, I'm just, the name, as I was getting this, I, this has twice happened. The word Zoloft, I don't even know what that is. Don't tell me because I don't want to know. But that one of, like, I just literally, the, like, I don't know medication. But as I'm praying, the word Zoloft came. And so honestly, if that has become an addictive drug for you, if that has become your Lord to numb, to fix, to heal, that's the excuse that needs to be left. Pick up your mat and walk away. That's the pool that needs to be walked out on. And I love this, though, that this is countercultural. And this is also how we know he's a Jew. Because Jesus tells him to do something. And it's sinful, quote unquote, to the Jews. He says, pick up your mat. Guess what? Today's a Sabbath. He was healed on the Sabbath. You are not supposed to transport your mats on the Sabbath. Now, if the man wasn't a Jew, this wouldn't make any sense. These are pagans. That doesn't matter. But this man's a Jew being told by Jesus to pick up his mat. This is grace movement. This is Jesus saying, no, you will not be confined by those. You will walk in my manner. You will walk in a new way of life. Like this is, this is different. And it's countercultural. It is. It's brand spanking new, and I love it. And then the last one, walk. It is the walking that proves the miracle. It really is. It is one thing for an invalid to stand. And you're like, it is another thing for an invalid to walk. Right? It's one thing for an addict to not use. It is another thing for an addict to be freed. To walk with sobriety of mind. It is one thing for marriage to say, I'm sorry. It's another thing for marriage to behave married. That word walk means to live, to behave. It is one thing for us to, to, to act that way, but it's another thing to walk it. This is the power. It is what displayed the grace. And I love it. Like it's, it's one thing, God's grace opened the waters, but the walk proved that God was faithful. Like it is... Uh, it's where Paul says, like, by grace I've been saved, but like all of this is of his doing. But does that mean I keep sinning? No. It is the walking away from that sin that proves that God's grace is real in my life. Like, it is. Cheap grace is using God's grace as means of saying, well, I can still stay in my pain, in my fear, in my anger, in the plummets of my sin, in that wayward thinking. No, he's given you grace to walk. And as you walk, it proves his grace strong. It does. It does. It proves his grace strong. Jesus said, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And walk. So this morning, I just want to give you the opportunity. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Notice the word want is highlighted. Do you want it? Do you want to be healed? If you sit and let all those anxieties surface, Jesus is present and he's saying, get up, pick up that mat, and walk. I'm going to invite band. You guys can come up. Prayer team, I would love for you to come up. I'm going to provide you with a, with a time right now. In fact... I need you to, to stay focused on me right now, okay? I need you to stay focused on me. I know, like, people are moving, so you think you should move. Do you want to be healed? Do you want that changed? Do you want newness of life? I mean, it goes to the basics of some of you in the room. I'm like, why do you keep coming? I can tell by the fruit of your life you don't know Jesus, but you keep coming. Do you want to be healed? To not just sit in the fruit of other people's blessings, but to actually have spiritual fruit of your own. Do you want to be healed? Like some of you, you're not Christians. Like if you died today, would you go to heaven? Or would you go to hell? That's real. He says, do you want to be healed, saved, delivered? 
Yeah, you could go out. But all this would be in a nice little pep talk. And nothing would be different. Do you want to be changed? So I'm going to open up one, the floor for you. Get up, Jesus says. Pick up your mat and walk. You want to know what place you can walk? There's some amazing believers right here who would love to pray the Lord's Prayer. Would love to lead you into what it actually means to be saved because the only way to heaven is through Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can go to the Father except through me, Jesus says. If you think there's many gods and many ways, that's why you are still limping. It is. You're still limping. Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be healed? Also in the room, there are many of you who've been limp in your faith, paralyzed. You're like that Jew who just needed to be reminded of the desires of his heart and needed to go for the Father. Do you want to be healed? And you're like, Greg, I've asked for a prayer and healing. Okay, that's an excuse. Your breakthrough will begin when your excuses end. I just don't get up. I, that's not my thing to get up in church. Like, I don't, I don't, I didn't go to that kind of church, Greg, like growing up. Like, I, I want healing, but I think I can get healed like where I'm sitting. Okay. I think Jesus said, get up. He said, get up. So, this is an altar. You don't have to go to a person to get healing. You can go to the Savior. So, this is an altar. You have the authority in Christ. This is a place for you to pray. But get up and move. Others of you, you're like, I've been praying for joy and peace. I'm just waiting for him to give me joy and peace. He says, get up. Have joy. Like, get up. And so get up. Others of you, you're like, I, I need my, this sickness healed. I need it healed. Get up. Others of you, you're like, I need my marriage healed. No one knows the pain that I'm feeling. Get up. Like, get up. I could keep excusing it, but my Savior says, get up. Get up. You need to get up. Get up. Like I just literally keep thinking, but can I change? Your breakthrough begins the moment your excuses end. Get up. But I've prayed for this for far too long, Greg. Get up. You make it beautiful. about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.